the economy and the terms that we hear and the behavior that we see in the marketplace does affect our personal finances. And unless we're educated and able to wisely walk through these and see behind the curtain what's actually going on so that we're not jumping in and getting caught into these things, but we're actually approaching these with wisdom, with knowledge, with understanding, and then we can make the right decision for us. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode, we're talking about economics and personal finances. Now, I know economics. I don't want you to fall asleep on us. We're going to make this interesting. We're going to break down some interesting economic terms, but we're going to apply them to your personal finances. We're going to make this something that is a little bit like oh, I'd always heard that, but I never understood that it affected me in this way. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk through some of those fun things you've heard and how that affects your wallet. So economics is really the study of what, this is a little bit funny definition, but of what constitutes rational human behavior. Rational. (laughs) Rational, right? (laughs) So that's the expectation of economics is that humans are rational in in order to fulfill their needs and wants in a world with scarce resources. Mm-hmm. Ron Blue said it this way, that there are infinite amount of choices, but limited amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So there's there's always more that we can buy, right? There's more choices every day. Things are being created. Products are being made every day. But yet we have a, a finite amount of resources. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, saw a Tesla, one of the new Model 3s, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine bought one. And uh, just phenomenal, right? The choices were beautiful. The The way the doors open is cool. It's got a huge uh, dash screen. So it doesn't even have like the normal things. If you want to open the glove box, you, you push a button on the screen and the glove box pops open. <laughs> the car, it. while it's braking, is recharging itself. And so you can go like over 200 miles and it'll take you to, uh, it, you know, it'll self-drive. It will, if, if it's parked and you want it to pull out, it can pull out and come to you. The technology is built into it where the car can come to you. Now, legally, they can't uh, use that technology yet, but they're working on getting it to where they're legally allowed to do that. So, I mean, just really cool stuff. My point is, hey, you know, unlimited, you know, choices, right? Like you could, you, there's so many things in the world that I personally would love to own, right? A, a beach on, or a, a home on the beach in Maui, uh, a new Tesla, uh, a, you know, iPhone X, whatever it is, the, the, there's infinite choices. <laughs> yes. But always, unfortunately, always, always. David Thompson has limited financial re- resources, you know, not the government can't print money. So what do we do with that? What is the rational behavior and that's what economics is. It's a study as well. Well, what's a rational behavior? If you have limited resources and infinite choices, what's rational? Well, it turns out, Leo, you and I, we're not always rational. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. I know I'm certainly not always rational. I like to think, Leo, that you and I are slightly more rational than the average person. Mm, I don't know. But Maybe. I've also uh, definitely proven that wrong in my own life on multiple <laughs> occasions. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are, there are certain things that we hear, I think, uh, throughout our life, and especially as we think about financial choices, and we're out there uh, interacting with uh, businesses and looking at products that we want to buy. And some of these economic terms affect us. And so we want to talk about some of these because there are things that you hear that lead you Mm -hmm. into making an irrational decision. Yeah. 
And so we want to talk about those and really help you to understand how those terms, those economic terms may affect you and maybe how to become just more knowledgeable and more aware of what's actually going on when these things are being presented to you and how to rationally walk through these, some of these decisions that, that you'll have to make. And uh, okay, so let's start with yeah. one of those. Yeah. Right? Well, so uh, let me tell you about the one that causes me to act the most irrationally. This is personal. <laughs> Anytime I see the word free, mm. Mm, something yep. goes off in my brain yep. like, love, I need to be there. Love free. If I it's love for free, free it's for me. Yes. If it's for free, <laughs> it's for me. And so, and so something goes off in my mind where I am ready to do irrational things mm-hmm. to get something for free. Right. Now, economics would tell us that there actually is no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, you see it advertised, hey, free lunch. I- I've actually just got something in the mail. Free dinner. Come yep. to our seminar. Yeah, I think I got the same one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we live in the same area. I yeah. bet we did. Yep. Come to this seminar and we'll educate you and we'll feed you. Right. Well, man, my brain's ready to roll. Like, yeah. that's free. Yeah. Free Come lunch, on, baby. free nice dinner. Date night. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Corral, date night. No, I don't know what it was, but, you know, just something. And um, And so, okay. Uh, my initial thought is, well, this is free to me. Mm-hmm. But the reason that it's quote unquote free is because at that seminar, they have done the math. They've calculated how many people are going to buy. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that buy is going to create enough profit. And then some. And then some mm-hmm. to pay for all those meals and their own family needs. So here's my point. Maybe my, maybe my dinner ends up being free. But somebody else at that seminar is not free. Somebody's paying for it. That's right. It may be free to me, but it's not actually free. And honestly, uh, it's it's obviously not free, right? Uh, The even if I'm going in the seminar example, if I'm going to the seminar, the company putting on the seminar, they physically had to pay for it. Mm And the the company that created the meal, you know, they hired a chef to prepare right. the meal right. who got, you know, fresh chicken from a farmer who got, you know, feed from another farmer. You know, I mean, like, it's not free. Somebody had to put seed in the ground to grow the crops, to feed the animals, yeah. to eventually go to the butcher shop. I mean, it, nothing is free. And so when I see buy one, get one free, my brain immediately says, oh, well, it's, it's free. It's like it's half off. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm still paying for one. But right. irrationally, our brains tell us it's free. It must be a good deal. Right. And so we want to first and foremost warn you that when you see the word free, uh, your brain might think this is a rational decision. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, there's something behind that, yep. which actually makes it not rational for you to choose it. So let's talk about a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Interest being the keywords, <laughs> <laughs> is that you see advertised all over the place zero uh, percent interest. Have you heard of that, Leo? Oh, all the time, all the time. In fact, it's funny because a few years back when I was at a different job, uh, this is a conversation that me and my coworkers would engage in quite often. And it got to the point where obviously I was against someone going into a zero interest because I knew in some ways it was just a hook. And this is when zero interest uh, for cars used to be, it was just coming on the scene. It was kind of a new thing. And my rational mind said, there's a catch. Yeah. I mean, I've been there, done that. I know dealerships are not in it to lose money. Uh, Again, they have a cost. They need to make a profit. And I thought, how can they offer 0%? Mm -hmm. A big part of their income comes from interest payments. Yep. So I was very skeptical. I looked into it, and I realized, okay, there's things that they're doing on the front end, and they're making a certain money. They're going to make their money either on the front end, on the back end, or throughout the whole deal. 
So I remember having a discussion with a couple of guys, and it got to the point where they're actually bringing it up just to stir me because they knew uh, they were bothering me. <laughs> right. Um, but but I was making my point, guys. Don't jump into something that uh, that doesn't make sense. And is there such a thing? Is there interest when you're buying, let's say, a car? What do you think? Hmm. You know, I've seen it advertised. Mm-hmm. So my rational brain would think, sure, it's a real thing. But actually, that's irrational because the rational thing is to figure out why are they selling, why are right. they, why are they promising you something for free? Yeah. This is where it gets economic. <laughs> well, I've, I've done some studying on this and I've researched it, and there is such a thing as zero percent interest. Uh, however, uh, let's look at it from the dealership's perspective. Will a dealership offer you something that costs them money and doesn't make them money? No, because the dealership, they are not getting the money for free. Right. Because if they're going to put a $30,000 vehicle on their lot, Mm -hmm. they had to borrow $30,000 from a bank. Yes. And so they are paying an interest rate. Now, it may be low. And they're paying a lot more. Yes. I know they're paying for the car for every day that's on the lot. Yes. They're paying for to the manufacturer. There's a lot of costs built in into cars. So. The way a dealership makes money, and there's that this is more complicated than we want to get into, but the way they make money is they sell vehicles. Right. And the more they sell, the more they can make. Yes. And by the way, it's like anything else. It's like McDonald's. They can sell a burger for less than a dollar. Why? Because they sell billions of them. That's why. <laughs> right. So they can make literally three pennies per, bur- per burger, but yeah. if they sell a billion a, a day, then obviously they're going to make some money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a dealership needs to make money. They're going to offer 0%, but there are catches to that. Yeah. First of all, not everyone will qualify. So it's a bait and hook to a degree. Mm-hmm. Not always. Mm-hmm. Some people will actually get 0%. Mm-hmm. So I can't say and I won't say that it's not true. It is true to a degree. However, it's reserved only for those with excellent credit Yep. and realize that sometimes um, not only do you need excellent credit, but only certain cars that are on the lot apply. That means you can't right. order the car in the color and the interior and the you know model that you want, uh, it has to be very specific. Uh, it's also a short-term loan, mm-hmm. means that you're going to have a higher payment, which most people don't want, right? So all of these things are built to get you into the dealership right? and then for them to sell you a vehicle. And if 0% is the only thing you're thinking about, there's a good chance that even if you get the 0%, you're going to pay for it some other way. Yeah. Um, there are other, other things. There's not as much ability to, le- to negotiate the price of the right. vehicle if you're going to take That's 0%. A big one. That's a big Of one. course, because if they're going to put the sticker price on the window and you're going to pay for that, I'm guaranteeing you you're paying thousands of dollars more than you should. Mm-hmm. So there are things there that you need to be educated in. Here's, here's my point. I actually have tried this early on when this first came out. I went and said, okay, so if I go and negotiate the deal and get them to give me the car $500, $1,000 over invoice right. at 0% interest with all the features that I want, will they do that? And they wouldn't. Mm. And the reason they wouldn't is because that wasn't enough profit for them. If they sold every car like I wanted them to sell me that, right. they would have lost money on every car. Right. And so a dealership won't do that. And so we have to be careful of this. It also goes in other you know, zero percent also works in other areas oh, like yeah. furniture and other things too. So. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know, you go in and you see the price on there. We also have to realize for your personal budget that we're talking about. Usually, you can only get zero percent on new vehicles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and new vehicles depreciate dramatically faster than used vehicles. Yes, uh, you know, somewhere to the tune of in the first three years, fifty percent of the vehicle's value. Mm-hmm. So from thirty thousand down to fifteen thousand type of deal. Right. 
So yeah, maybe you paid zero interest, <laughs> yeah. but A, you probably paid more for the car mm-hmm. because they built that price into it. So they, they raised it from a $28,000 vehicle and they said, hey, this is now a $30,000 vehicle with free interest. Right. So they built the price in and you drive it off a lot and it starts going down in value. So for you, it made you do a poor financial decision just to get free. And that's where we say it's irrational behavior because the word free caused you to do something that actually wasn't the most rational choice. Mm. Even though on the surface, it sounds like great. I mean, I have people tell me, David, I got 0%. Aren't you proud of me? I'm doing really well with my finances. <laughs> and I smile and I say, hey, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> you know, Great job, friend. I'm not going to try to be rude to the person in the moment. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, that's because you bought a brand new vehicle. And, you know, I'm not, I honestly, I'm not going to sit and judge someone, but, but, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, could you afford a brand new vehicle? Is now the time in your life to buy a brand new vehicle? What's your net worth? I don't know your net worth, so I'm not going to judge, but I'm, these questions are coming up in my mind. Like, can you afford to lose $15,000 in three years? I can't right now in my current financial life. And so at least I I can say I can't, it wouldn't be wise. It wouldn't be the wisest choice. You might be able to, but it wouldn't be a good choice long-term. Yes, yes. And so, you know, you see things, um, something that's gotten really popular, and I mentioned the Tesla at the beginning of the show, are electric vehicles right now. And, you know, oh, but, you know, my gas, I don't have any gas. So Mm -hmm. gas is free. You know, electricity is like, it's basically zero. That's what they're saying. It's, you know, it's just a a little bit per hour and and you don't even notice it in your electric bill. It's like I'm getting to drive for For free. free. (laughs) And I hear that. And and it's very appealing because A, it's it's ecologically very good for the environment. You know, of course, no gasoline is good for the environment, but to build one of those batteries... Mm-hmm. The batteries yeah. take an extreme process to build. <laughs> so ecologically, it actually can be damaging to the environment building those batteries. Now, I'm not, I don't, I don't know enough about that to dig into that. But, but this is the thing. Oh, it's free. You know, it doesn't hurt the environment. Well, just because it doesn't hurt the environment with oil and gas doesn't it doesn't hurt the environment in another way. Right. You're not paying for gas every month, but the cost of the vehicle is higher. And the price of those batteries and the battery replacements is very high. Yes. And then what they'll do is the manufacturer, because the price is so astronomical, is that they will incentivize you by, by they will take a hit on their profit margins and lower the cost of the batteries, but only for a couple of years. And then after that, you've got to take the full hit. Right. And so there's different, there's different things. Again, to your point, Leo, the car manufacturer is not going to lose money. Nope. And I can tell you that at some point, um, electric vehicles are going to be in parity, about equal, uh, in the overall cost as gasoline engine vehicles. And I think it's really cool when that happens. And I love where technology is going. And I don't think it's wrong if anyone owns an electric vehicle. I think it's awesome because I love the way they look and I love the way they drive. But here's my point. It may seem free on the outset. It may seem like, oh, I don't have to pay for gas. Therefore, it's cheaper. But really, the monthly payment is higher because you paid more for the vehicle and the resale value of the vehicle is lower because the replacement of the batteries is so high that nobody wants to buy a 10-year-old electric vehicle or a 15-year-old electric vehicle. I'm not saying that's true for every single case, but Mm. what I'm saying is currently today, gasoline engine vehicles overall are cheaper to drive than electric vehicles on on average. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes the government will subsidize one and will actually pay the manufacturer to make more of these cars cheaper on the electric side. And so, but again, it's not free because the government paid for that. 
which means that our tax bill went up somewhere else. Hmm. So you're thinking this is free, but really it's hitting different people in different places. Yeah. All we want to do is walk through when you see the words free, which again, testify, Leo and I, those are <laughs> words I love, yeah, no doubt. Me too. Um, but when you see the words free, you have to be aware. Buyer beware. Well, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to making decisions to me, and I've said this many, many times, probably a lot on this podcast, you have to do the math. And if the math doesn't add up, that should speak volumes. Because to me, I have to look at the overall cost of everything that I'm doing. If I don't do that, then I'm not buying wisely. Right? Yeah. So I have to look at how much is this car or this item going to cost me. And it may seem like it's cheap on the front end, mm -hmm. but long term, if it's costing me. And you talked about this uh, in a previous episode about opportunity cost. If I'm spending 30000 on a brand new car now, yeah. Yeah. and I'm taking a $15,000 hit over the next three years because of the depreciation, what could that, what, what if I would have bought a $15,000 car and took that 15000 and invested it? It's mm, good. You know, now I lost that opportunity to use mm -hmm. that 15000 to better my future. So is it wrong? Absolutely not. If you can afford a $30,000 car, that's great. And, and if you're going to buy it, my recommendation is don't trade it in five years down the road because yeah, you just sure. threw away a lot of money. Hang on to it. 10, yeah. 12, 15 years. Cars last a long time today. Now, if yeah. it's an electric car, you're going to have to put some money into it. Um, I remember actually uh, looking at a, I think it was a Prius. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry. It was a Honda Civic. It was a Civic. Oh, okay. Oh, but it was hybrid. It, it's yeah. hybrid. Exactly. And uh, I remember the battery was bad on it and somebody was selling it through Craigslist or someplace like that. And I remember looking at it and it was in great shape. Yeah. Uh, we were in a market to, for a car from one of my daughters and I said, man, this is such a nice car. And I looked into, and of course they were selling it cheap because they couldn't sell it expensive because the batteries are not good. Right. So the battery had to be replaced. And I think the car was under $5,000, wow. which is again, brand new. This car is probably to close to 20, $25,000, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking into how much of the battery would be. And it was going to be like four to five thousand yeah. dollars. So you're buying a five thousand dollar car, four thousand dollar car, but you have to buy another five thousand dollars worth of batteries. So you see, it doesn't really make sense. Right. Was it worth ten grand? No, it wasn't. It's probably right. worth about seven or eight. So you do have these kind of situations. Where we have to look a little further down the road, mm -hmm. which will determine whether that was a wise decision or not. Yeah. But bottom line, do the math. Right. Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense on paper then it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not harping on electric vehicles other than just as an example. Like right. if you find one, that's a great deal for you. Go for it. You know, we love it. Uh, but the point is you have to do the math, run the numbers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it won't. I love what you mentioned, Leo, just about opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a big word. It's an economic word. Yep. So the opportunity to buy one thing costs you the opportunity to get something else. That's a great example. The $15,000 that you lost in the value of your vehicle, mm -hmm. if you'd invested that, for 20 years, you wow. know, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars right, right. in gain. So let's talk about opportunity costs for a second. One resource can't be used in two different places. So if you have $1, you're either going to spend it over here or you're going to spend it over here, but you can't spend it twice. It's mm -hmm. $1. Right. <laughs> and so let's talk about that. Uh, and I say resource, dollars, relationships, education, uh, the time that you spend investing into a business. Uh, let's talk about your relationships. If I spend time with my wife, it mm -hmm. means I'm not spending time with my friends in right. that moment. Right. And I have to be a good manager and create a good strategy to maintain healthy friendships and maintain a healthy marriage. And if I'm giving all my time to my friends or your work 
or my work. Mm-hmm. Great example, uh, because I have lived that out. <laughs> watch <laughs> out, watch out. Uh, you know, if I'm spending, if I'm giving all my time to my work and I'm not setting aside enough time for my wife, I, there's not time. If I'm giving it all to my work, there's not time for my right. wife, which right. means that I'm going to have uh, emotional difficulty at home. Mm-hmm. And that relational difficulty will affect other areas of my life. Absolutely. And so it fits inside of your relationships. It fits inside of your education. Uh, let's say that you graduate from high school and you have two options presented to you. One, you can go into the marketplace and earn twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year, maybe more, depending on what you've learned in high school and the people you know. Let's say you can earn thirty grand a year. Well, that's really appealing when you're right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option, the other opportunity is that you go to college and you spend, you know, four, five, ten grand a year to right. get an education. Right. Have so you, you been Have you been reading my mail or looking at <laughs> my background? <laughs> watch out, watch out. Because that actually happened okay. for me. Uh, I took a break between high school and college. Um, and I won't go into the reason why, but I find myself with a job. And my, my dad helped me to get this job. And it was a very nice job in, in the company. It was in the company that I worked for. The, the job was one of the premium jobs. I mean, I worked at a, I worked in downtown Chicago, and I worked for this firm, and it was a very wealthy business. They actually had their own cook and a five-man crew oh, that so cooked cool. lunch every day. I was pinching myself, how did I get this job? But about six to eight months into the job, I realized this isn't what I want to do for a living. And yeah, I'm making good money and it's a cushy job. I, I had a lot of time off. I was going through a paperback a week. I literally, I mean, wow. it's just one of those jobs that didn't require a ton of work. I just had to be there. And all these French benefits, it was, it was great in that sense, but I didn't, I looked at it and said, okay, if I'm just, if I get stuck with this job for the rest of my life at this income level and maybe get a 3% here and there, would I be satisfied? And the answer was absolutely not. So I did just that. I quit that job and went back to school. I actually went to college, got a degree, spent a 15,000 a year. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and but I got a degree where eventually I was making 70, 80,000 a year. Yeah. So the investment that I made, even though I took a loss at one point, you know, early on I took a loss cuz now I was right, not making right. 30,000 a year and I was spending 15,000 a year. Uh, even though that was a switch and but in the end it ended up paying off. So the opportunity there was that I actually invested my time in right. a way that it paid off dividends later on. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the difference between the average high school education earner over their lifetime mm-hmm. and the average college educated earner yeah. over their lifetime, I know the difference is over a million dollars. I don't have the exact numbers, but I, I've seen it in the past and, and it's huge. And yes, so the opportunity to be here at this time cost me the opportunity to be here at this time. You, you know, the opportunity to choose um, a, I oh mean, I don't want to, I don't want to dog any degrees. So I'm going to go really outrageous here. Um, <laughs> uh, a, an ancient culture, German folk dance degree <laughs> versus a business degree. Yeah. You know, the type of degree you choose, yeah. it costs you the opportunity to go after another degree. So, you know, you can choose a business degree or you could choose, um, a science degree, or you could choose an art degree you have to be aware that choosing one of those sets you on a path and it costs you other opportunities in yes, life. Yes, no doubt. Uh, if you want to be a politician, you probably need to go into political science or into law of some kind in your education. Mm-hmm. If you spend time going into art, it's going to cost you the opportunity to go into law. I mean, it's just, it, that is what it is. And mm-hmm. so be aware of that. Now, obviously we can all make life choices midway through our lives and, and sure. dramatically impact things. I don't want to take that away. 
but one opportunity will cost you another opportunity. So in the economic side of it, the opportunity costs, let's talk about that from, from an investment standpoint. Yeah. How does opportunity cost negatively or positively impact investing? Yeah. Um, I mean, you already gave a great example, but the opportunity for Ashley and I, if we had bought a little bit larger home, mm-hmm. uh, we could have bought a little bit larger, a little bit nicer home, and probably had about a $500 more a month payment on our house. But we could have enjoyed our house. We had a little bit nicer neighborhood, sure. a little bit closer to work. And that $500 a month would have helped us to feel a little bit more comfortable. I don't know what percentage of our life would feel better, yeah. but a little bit, there'd be a little bit sure. of an increase. Sure. Uh, and that would be a, a nice opportunity to be a little bit nicer home, a little bit closer to work. But that $500 cost would have cost us the ability to invest $500 into our 401k Mm. or our IRA. And we have a goal of setting aside 15% of our income, Mm. at least into retirement. And so what if we weren't able to fulfill that goal because we had chose to buy a home that was slightly larger? And I would say we couldn't afford it technically because we couldn't afford to do it and invest the way that we desire to do. And so, so the opportunity to live in a little bit nicer house would have cost us the ability to put an extra $500 into a 403B where we work. It's a nonprofit. And our company matches a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's say the company matches 200 of that 500. Yeah. Well, that means that I put in 500 and they put in 200. The opportunity of this little bit nicer house would have cost me $700 a month of investing. Right. And that $700 a month over the next 30 years right, will right. turn Huge. out to be a couple Huge. million. And so so what is the opportunity cost? Yeah. A couple million dollars, yeah. but I get to live a little bit closer to work. I don't know. That's that's It's it's a pretty easy call for me personally. I've already made the call. Yeah. But I see why that would be a struggle. But you have to be aware. A couple million dollars is a big deal. It, it is. And, and just the security of having a retirement nest egg uh, is really important yeah. to us today. Uh, I think about it from the perspective of investing uh, where people are diligent to put into a 401k, but at the same time, because they're not managing their finances as well as they can, mm-hmm. um, they're making some maybe some lifestyle choices and maybe getting that car that, that's maybe a little bit more than they should, that at some point their debt begins to rise and they need they need some relief. And they look at their only savings, which is their 401k, mm. as a way to alleviate that pain, right? Yeah. So they take out a 401k loan and they've, you know, they're sold on the idea of, hey, you pay yourself back interest. Right. Like, how can it be a bad thing? You're paying yourself interest. Yeah. And so let's unpack that a little bit because yeah. we've talked about this briefly, but I really want to talk about this opportunity cost of what it costs you by choosing to take money out of a 401k or an IRA rather than just Toughing it out and paying down that debt yeah. with your current income. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some numbers here because this is this is really a big one and I know many people have done it. Yeah. Or maybe many people may be thinking about doing it. So yeah. let's this address is, that. This is very tempting. And here's the situation. You've been working for a company for five years. Mm-hmm. And over those five years, you've maybe invested $20,000 into your 401k. Right. Part of that is company matches. Part of it's whatever. And now you find yourself leaving that company and going to another company. Mm -hmm. And as you're leaving, you see that you've got $20,000 invested for retirement. uh, But over those five years, potentially you've been living beyond your means and you also have $20,000 of debt. Mm -hmm. And that debt is compounding at 15%. So you're looking at your situation thinking, well, I could just pay off all of my debt using my 401k and I'll just take a loan on it. You can do this with a 401k, you do a hardship loan. It allows you to take that money out of your 401k 
and then pay yourself back into the 401k at let's say 4% as an example. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying 15% to the bank, you're paying 4% to yourself. Right. And you'll hear people talk about this like it's a great idea. Like, mm -hmm. hey, economically, that's very rational because you're paying yourself instead of paying the bank. Yeah. All right. We want to talk about the opportunity cost of that situation because the opportunity to pay off that debt right away costs you the opportunity to leave that $20,000 plugged into a mutual fund mm -hmm. that will grow over time and create interest. So let's let's do some of those numbers. So let's say you look at a $20,000 401k and you leave it in there, invested at 10% interest over 30 years, it would grow to $350,000 if you don't touch it. So that's one opportunity. Yep. One opportunity is you leave the money in, it grows at 10% and becomes 350,000. The other opportunity is that you take that money and pay off the loan and you begin paying yourself back at 4%. And so if you're paying yourself back at 4%, and that means at the end of five years, when you fully paid off the loan to yourself, you'd have $2,100 in interest that you paid yourself, which means that you'd have your original 20,000 and your 2,100 in interest that you'd paid yourself. So you'd have $22,100. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you decide to continue letting that grow. You don't touch it again. So it right. grows, but the opportunity cost you five years of growth. Right. So it continues growing now, but it's five years behind the first one. That growth over the next 25 years at 10% mm -hmm. comes out to $240,000. Wow. So you had 350 if you had left it alone. You have 240 if you unplug it for five years. Right. That's so, a $110,000 uh, difference. Yeah. $110,000. Okay, that's a big opportunity cost. So what's the actual loss then? Because yeah. if, if you would have stayed the course and just paid off the credit cards by paying the $20,000 over a five-year period, what would that cost? Yeah. So let's imagine that you had you know, not pulled the money out and now you're having to fight with these credit cards. You're having to every month begin to make those monthly payments. You're getting a little bit frustrated with the debt, which is a good thing. So you'll never go back into debt, right? right? So you're actually having to there's fight. Lessons there's lessons there to be learned. There's a lesson. There's a behavioral piece to this. Well, uh, let's say that the debt was at 15%. And so you're going to be paying that over five years. It's going to be $8,500 of interest wow, that you're going to pay. Money. That's a lot of interest. And so you're feeling like, man, I can't believe I had to pay an extra $8,500 in interest. But, <laughs> but the difference, <laughs> you lost out on $110,000. Right. So when you take that into account, uh, the 110 minus $8,000 that you would have paid in interest, yeah. you're looking at about a $100,000 difference. Yeah just from unplugging your investment in your 401k for five years. That's a considerable loss. Yes. Right. Yes. And and so so be aware that you have to run the numbers on these things because it can be very tempting. It's very tempting when you have $20,000 sitting in your retirement account and you have $20,000 sitting over here in debt. Well, the debt accumulated because of mismanagement, of, of just letting it grow over time. And maybe it was a medical thing, so it wasn't mismanagement. Maybe it was an unexpected medical cost. Technically, you should have medical savings in your budget. Right. If you have <laughs> but, a budget. If you have a budget, technically, you should start with a budget. And but, emergency fund. But let's give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, yeah. you've got $20,000 in medical debt. What this is going to cause you to do is tighten your budget. It's going to cause you to get frustrated with that debt. Maybe go get an extra job or build a little side business. You're going to learn some behaviors to attack that debt, mm -hmm. pay it off, 
and that money will keep growing in the 401k. The overall difference is a $100,000 benefit to your life versus the instant pleasure that you feel from just eliminating the debt. But if you feel that immediate gratification, yeah. you're probably going to fall back into that lifestyle, yeah. right? So there's there's twofold here with the opportunity cost of attacking the debt while leaving the money plugged in is so much better in your life. And so when we talk about opportunity cost, it really matters. Yeah, it definitely does. And every one of these that we discussed, all of these impact us on a daily basis. And just understanding what's really going on in front of us and how it's affecting us, that the economy and the terms that we hear and the behavior that we see in the marketplace does affect our personal finances. And unless we're educated and able to wisely walk through these and see behind the curtain what's actually going on so that we're not jumping in and getting caught into these things, but we're actually approaching these with wisdom, with knowledge, with understanding, and then we can make the right decision for us. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, to rate and review uh, our podcast on iTunes or on an Android device so that it's easier for more people to find it and benefit from it. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, find us, follow us, engage us, and let us know how we can serve you better. You can find the show notes to this episode, more content and resources at leosabo.com. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we can keep getting money right. Nothing is free. And so when I see buy one, get one free, my brain immediately says, oh, well, it's, it's free. It's like it's half off. But no, I'm still paying for one. But irrationally, our brains tell us it's free. It must be a good deal.